Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, hello, guys. Welcome to the next episode of the Challenge the Podcast. Uh, joined by my friend Jakub uh, once again, and uh, yeah, let's just let's just get to it. Uh, five events it is becoming the standard very much. I think soon there's going to be an, uh, a week with four, but yeah, generally the last few weeks I think we've just had five events all around. Yeah, let's get started. Let's go to Porto, where we had Luca Nardi winning the title, beating Joao Souza. Five seven six four six one four. It's fourth challenger title, first one this season. He started with a bit of trouble in the early rounds, coming back from a set down against Nicolas Mejia, losing a set to Goncalo Oliveira. But once he hit the quarterfinals, he was in his stride, beating uh, Adrian Andreev six four six three, Anton Escofier seven six six four. Before coming back from a set down against Joao Souza in the final, up twenty seven spots, number one hundred twenty six, equaling his previous career high ranking. What did you make of Nat this week in Porto? Yeah, I mean, this is so important for him. Uh, suddenly, like you could actually still imagine him finishing top 100 with this. Uh, whereas a few weeks ago, you probably would have said that, that he's like the most disappointing performer of all the Itali- all the young Italians this year with, you know, some of them like Passaro, Bellucci, Nardi, uh, they, they just haven't done all that well compared to the 2022 campaigns. But suddenly he gets to 125 points. And honestly, like the the, the last three matches that he played here, I think that was probably like the best um, we've seen from Nardi this year. I know he's had a final in Pune, but um, I just think the quality of the field, also the unique conditions in Pune, it was just so much different. And uh, yeah, it was good to see him like play such smart tennis again. Uh, hopefully this will continue. He won a challenger around this time last year as well with uh, with the Mallorca one. So he's still dropping one more title. Uh, but yeah, so, so, so important for him both ranking wise and like confidence wise. Yeah, and it was also good to see Joao Souza back at this level. His 10th challenger final, first one since November 2021 in Helsinki. Since then, he had actually made uh, two ATP finals, uh, most recently in Geneva last year. On this run, he beat Mattia Bellucci, 6-7-6-4-6-4, took out Kachmazov, 6-2-6-2, Pierre Ugerber, 7-6-6-2, Jules Marie, 7-6-6, love. Uh, he had a nine-match losing streak coming into this tournament. Uh, hadn't won a match since Estoril. Provided us with an amazing atmosphere from the crowds uh, throughout the week, but especially the semis and the finals. That's where it was the most hype for him. It was incredible. Up 81 spots, number 271 now. What did you make of Joao Souza's week in Porto? Yeah, um, I mean, sometimes an injury break is actually a blessing in disguise. And I think it was in this case. This was just a completely new, uh, well, not a new, but like a revived vintage version of Joao Souza. Perhaps you could say that the quality of the field wasn't that great. Um, You know, maybe besides Nardi, maybe 
yeah, pretty much besides Nardi. But still, I, I think he played like his, you know, his usual tennis that we were used to seeing from him. Not this year, obviously, with the with the win loss record being at something ridiculous, like um, five and however many losses he had uh, coming into this week, or maybe even less. Right? I mean, I think he had yeah five wins and like twenty losses or something. So, uh, so so it was really drastic. It was worse than I don't know Dan Evans or someone. Dan Evans, of course, won Washington, but like before Washington, um, Joao Souza kind of I think went under the radar with how uh, how poor he was. And then the injury comes, and actually he comes back hopefully for for a longer time. Uh, his ranking is back to the top three hundred right now. You know, it's still not huge. It, he still um, cannot really play um, U.S. Open qualies, right? Uh, but yeah, we're going to see him on the Challenger Tour from now on, pretty much um, until the end of the year. And, and let's see what he does. It, it's pretty wild to think that last year he was in uh, the Geneva and Pune finals, right? And even winning Pune. But uh, but certainly this week, he just, yeah, he, he was back to his good form. He was back to like being light on his feet again. And, and um, yeah, maybe just a little uh, worse physically in the final than Nardi. Uh, it was really tight though. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if he can sustain this sort of level outside of Portugal, outside of having this massive crowd support. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is certainly encouraging to to see that he he still has this in his locker. Uh, as far as semifinalists, let's start with Jules Marie, who beat Benjamin Locke six three six four, Gaston Elias six four six three, and Denis Yevsev three six seven six six four to reach his first career challenger semifinal. He had only had one previous quarterfinal run, and that was back in 2014 in San Brioc. He moves up 55 spots, number 242 in the rankings. What did you make of Jules Marie? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, of course, the the guy is very well known for his YouTube channel. Uh, we had him on uh, on the show in uh, February in Vilnius, or on or in October in Vilnius. I'm actually not sure now. Uh, in one in one of the editions of the of the challenger in Vilnius, we had him on. Jesus, I I really can't remember right now. I think it was the first one. I think it was in October last year. Although, uh, yeah, I, I'm really not sure at the moment. Uh, but anyway, of course, uh, one of his like main goals as um in his in this comeback resurgence because if someone doesn't know he basically didn't play for like a few years professionally, like played just a few matches because it didn't make sense for him financially. And then uh, he, um, during the pandemic, he started publishing these YouTube videos, then did a couple of crowdfunding um, actions, you know, which meant like like the goal was to get him into Ron Garros qualifying. Of course, it didn't work out, but he actually liked, you know, tennis and all that um, social media stuff that much that he still decided to keep playing. You know, not the uh, not the highest ceiling for sure, but like he's getting super close to his career high, and he actually won already like four ITFs this year. One of the best players on that circuit, and this is a uh, this is the first uh, challenger semi he's ever made. So, I think yeah, he, he absolutely will play Grand Slam qualifying in the future. I don't know if it's gonna be Ron Garros. But you know, it could be the Australian Open. Like he is actually in a very good position to secure that, and that would still be an amazing story. But I think probably Paris is also doable. He actually played Ron Garros qualifying twice, but like with wild cards back in the day, right? Uh, but yeah, that 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 would be a very cool story if he made if he made it. And right now, it looks very likely. Yeah, um, Antoine Escoffier was the other semifinalist, beating Lorenzo Giustino six three six four, taking out two-time defending champion. 
out to Chili Bilek, 6-4-7-6. And Steven Diaz in the quarterfinals as well, 6-3-6-4. His sixth challenger semifinal this season already uh, reaches a new career high ranking at 152 now in the rankings. It has been a, a wild season for Escofia, just crazy consistency. What did, what did you make of this week from him? Yeah, there was this moment around like the grass court season when he started losing first rounds. Uh, on clay, he also didn't do that well, but well, like that, that's, that's normal for Escoffier. Maybe on grass, you would expect better results with his game, but indoor hard and right now, even outdoors, as, 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 you, as we can see, uh, he has been doing extremely well every time. And like, yeah, just making these quarterfinals on an, um, on a weekly basis. Of course, last week was his first challenger final, which he lost to Yamas Ruiz and. This week, he just did exactly what Escofier does, right? Uh, of course, the win also against Celik Bilek was pretty key with uh, the Turk being the two-time defending champ. And there was like a crazy comeback in the first set. Lots of wind in this match as well. Uh, it was very entertaining. Like, I think it was much of the week potential if if it went free. Yeah, uh, as for our picks, I pick Quentin Ali's, you pick Benjamin Ponzi. They both lost <laughs> in the first round in straight sets. Ali's to Gustav Elias. And Bonzi to Steven Diaz. Uh, any thoughts on those guys with those losses? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Bonzi still can't get himself like started after the injury. I thought, uh, I, I think I remember saying that I uh, think that this might be the week where he does, just because, you know, he, he, got, he got a pretty easy draw. He has a US Open wildcard. Uh, like the, the French chose him. So, oh, nice. uh, like if he cannot get himself going until then, he might be in for a blowout then. But, you know, still, it's almost a month left. So, so maybe he can work something out. And yeah, Alice just seemed like, um, you know, the, 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 the performance that he had against Yamas Ruiz in Lyon, that was very similar. Uh, just forehand all over the place. But I also heard that he became a father recently. And that's why he was actually in Porto, not in the States. He wanted to be closer okay. to the, to the kid. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe that's just something, you know, motivation wise, mentally, like he's just not fully there yet. And, uh, like the, the match before I knew that he became a father and that's why he played Porto the whole match. I felt like, okay, he's wondering why he's not in the States too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, could, could have just taken a week off maybe with, with, with how he performed in that, in that first round. But, yeah. Um, over he, in the doubles we had the, oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. I just wanted to say that he clearly wasn't thinking about yeah. the, the match, really, but something else and probably, yeah, becoming a father and etc. Yeah, over in the doubles, we had the massive event of Toshi Matsui winning the title alongside Kaito Wesugi, their first challenger title in 2023 after losing in the final four times already this season. Toshi Matsui's first title since Knoxville 2018. He is 45 years old. Uh, incredible stuff. They beat Bodipali and Kadhe, uh, who were in their second challenger final together after Braunschweig. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredible, really, because, um, I remember when they reached the final in like November last year. And at the beginning of the year, like they, they kept reaching the challenger finals, but most of them were like in weaker fields. And then they go into a 125k. Of course, maybe the actual set of opponents that they had to beat wasn't that crazy, but still, I said it Kureshi in the semifinals. And, uh, yeah, in, in, in just a few weeks, Toshihide Matsui will probably be the oldest player in the singles and doubles ATP rankings. However, uh, this might change, I think, if Nenad Zimonic wins a match in Panyaluka, 
because Nenad Zimonic is like two yeah. years, is is like two years older. So uh, potentially, if Zimonic can win a match until then, maybe this changes. Because right now, the only player older than Matsui in the doubles rankings, forty-nine-year-old uh, Ricard Ross, a Swede, is um, like he got his only points via walkover, and he's only played a few professional matches. So I, I'm assuming that in a few weeks his points are gonna just drop, and and he's gonna have no way of defending them. So um, yeah, re- really an incredible feat for Matsui to get this title twenty years after uh, after his um, first uh, challenger. And you can really say that in doubles, he's probably in his be- in the best form of his career. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can go over to San Marino, where we had Jame Munar beating Andrea Pellegrino 6-4, 6-1 to win his ninth challenger title. His first one since Perugia last year in June. Uh, on this run, he beat Passaro 6-4, 6-4. Nicolas Sanchez Izquierdo 6-1, 6-2. Federico Dalboni 6-4, 7-5. Dropped his only set of the week in a bagel uh, to Daniel Rincon in the semifinals in a crazy match. Love 6, 6-1, 6-2. Up 11 spots to number 80 in the rankings. He was uh, 20 and 22 uh, on the year coming in, so had a losing record, but turned turn it around this week. What did you make of Munar here? Yeah, turned it, turn it around this week, but also the previous two with the back-to-back yeah. um, quarterfinals in Umag and Gstad. Um, didn't you pick him, by the way? Yeah, yeah I sure did. Yeah, so, so I think we're tied now in the um, predictions race. Uh, and yeah, honestly, in hindsight, I'm kind of wondering why didn't I pick Munar? <laughs> uh, he had a much tougher route as well than the other finalists and still did it. Uh, I didn't see that semi against Lincoln, but yeah, of course, the scoreline looks, looks extremely wild. The final, you know, Pellegrino just could not hit through him at all. Um, and, um, yeah, I guess that's what Munar does. He was just, you know, running around, pushing, 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 and he did it. So, uh, for play to him, especially as San Marino is on a bit of altitude. So theoretically, the conditions should be a little more suitable for like power players. But then again, Munar was also in the Gstaad um, quarterfinals. So clearly it doesn't really matter for him that much. Yeah, as for Pellegrino, this was his sixth challenger final, his first one since Genoa last September. Uh, it wasn't a sort of a classic uh, Pellegrino finals run where he just unlocks this different yeah. level. He had a retirement late in the second set from Aziz Dugas at 6-3-4-1, beat uh, Enrico Della Valle, 6-4-1-6-6-1, Alexander Weiss, 7-6-7-6. And then after splitting sets with Nerman Fatic, uh, he got a retirement from him as well. However, he did break a six-match losing streak, so still a big week for him. Up 37 spots, number 217. What did you make of Pellegrino this week? Yeah, I mean, you're very right. I think that it wasn't one of the classic Pellegrino wins. Like it might be once we're talking about it at the end of the year and he like has like two or three of them, maybe we will forget about it. But yeah, definitely the, the route that he had to the final was just so much easier than Munar's. Did it show in the final? Not really, probably. Like he, he was really rally tolerant. He was hitting pretty well. I just don't think he was like sharp enough on the drop shots, volleys, you know, anything to make the points shorter against Munar. Uh, but yeah, other, other than informed Dalavale, who eliminated Miller. Uh, yeah, it, it just wasn't that tough a road, especially to a challenger 125 final. So yeah, I don't think it was really one of these vintage Pellegrino weeks, but of course, points wise, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it sort of saves him once again. Once he starts yeah. to drop out of the of the slam qualifying range, he just has a run somehow, someplace, usually in Italy, um, or Italy adjacent places like San Marino. 
and then just saves him, puts him right back in the in the ranking range. Uh, as far as semifinalists, let's start with Nerman Fatic, who beat uh, Roman Andres Boruchaga 6-3 in the third. Kirian Jacquet, 7-5-6-4. Took out David Gofan as well, 6-2-6-3. His second challenger semifinal this season after Modena. What did you make of Fatic here? Yeah, he he had lost to Fatic uh, to Gofan in Verona, uh, then then beat him. Um, actually, been in like surprisingly good form recently when you look at it. Uh, quarters in Perugia, semis in Modena, quarters in Salzburg, and then just two early losses to Gofan and Kakov. But it's not you wouldn't really feel it. I think, like I I wasn't really aware of of, of the fact, <laughs> but he certainly played played quite well this week again. Um, also one of these players I think who uh, anytime they sort of face any ranking trouble. They, they they pick it up very quickly for for like an event or two or in this case actually even a full month or so or even two months if you if, if you start counting from Perugia and uh yeah he he it's just just unfortunate that he had to retire against Pellegrino at the very beginning of the first set yeah uh Rincon has also been in very nice form yep. beating Serafini in two tie breaks Kimer Kopeyan 6-3-6-2 beat Fabio Fognini 6-7-6-4-6-4 to reach his third straight challenger semi-final after San Benedetto and Tampere what did you make of this run for Rincon yeah this one I actually noticed of course because well back-to-back semi-finals and then making it again for the third time that's pretty amazing um, it still hasn't felt like he was all that close to making that final, even though the last two matches he, he won the first set and he even with a bagel. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is great consistency. He had a fantastic win over Kopejans again, I think, because recently he also beat him, uh, somewhere. Uh, I can't remember which run. And also Fonini, of course, that's a, that's a nice win too, given that Fabio is playing with like some, um, nice motivation at the moment mm-hmm. so so yeah just another really solid run and that yeah he, he kind of makes you think that he can actually do this every week yeah uh over in the doubles we had Ivan Luterevic and Vladislav Manapov win their fourth challenger title this season uh they're the number two team now in the challenger race uh just behind Chandrasekhar and Prasant but only like five points behind so very close uh, they beat Aribaj and Sanchez in the final. It was their fifth challenger final this season and their number four in the challenger race for teams. Let's go over to Ludenscheid where we had Duya Ajdukovic winning his maiden challenger title, beating Ugo Delian 7-5-6-4 in the final. Uh, I mean, Ajdukovic has been a pretty big prospect, especially when we were starting the podcast. We talked about him quite a bit. Uh, he had after that dropped off very severely and now comes through almost a little bit out of, out of nowhere to win his first title. Uh, he started in qualifying, beating Metreveli 6 2 6 2, Kai Vehnelt 6 3 in the third, took out my pick, Maximilian Martere in a third set tiebreak in, in the first round, then Bidroka Bataya 6 4 6 4, Moloker 6 2 6 4, and got a second set retirement from Brancaccio before beating Delian in the final up 85 spots to number 216, his new career high ranking. What did you make of Idukovic's breakout week here? Yeah, um, honestly, like I think I think he absolutely deserves to be in the top 200 when he's playing well. And of course, this year he's had such a good resurgence, free ITF titles, uh, amazing win-loss record as well. I actually even remember in uh, Sekesh Fehervar in March, like he, he was still um sort of trying to get back on track there right and i think that was like the first um 
Well, that was actually the first win of the season for him in March. I remember talking about him with uh, Michalski and he was also like, okay, this guy was already in, you know, around the top 200 and Grand Slam qualities range. And uh, like, he he couldn't understand why Idukovic has fallen off so much. And obviously I very much agreed with this. And um, well, with Idukovic, I guess the, the mentality has always been a little bit of an issue, right? He's just very hot-headed. But this year he's been managing it. Um, it, recently he lost to Prismic in Umak, like winning three games and having a terrible performance. But this year he's actually able to bounce back from this. Um, he is actually also on a, on a pretty good challenger streak with the semi in Troyes, with the quarters in Tampere, and now the title in Ludenscheid. Um, I remember even on the last show that we said that I, where, wherever Idukovic lands, like this might be very important for the draw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, well, maybe I wasn't expecting him to beat Marterer. I thought that maybe this is actually the, the toughest or one of the toughest spots where maybe it's going to be too much. Uh, but he did that. And, um, well, we don't really know like how Saturday's events because Ludenscheid ended on Saturday and there was a lot of rain earlier. So lots of players had to play like twice, at least once. Delian had to play twice on two occasions and Idukovic actually had to play twice once. And, um, we don't really know how it would have looked on, uh, on, um, you know, in the final. If uh, the semifinals went differently, Idukovic got a retirement. Dalian had to come back and like was definitely a little down physically. Uh, but still, I think Idukovic really delivered in that final. And um, this time he was actually able to control himself very, very uh, smoothly. Great win over Marterer. Moleker was a bit injured, but still he he played very well in that one too. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I am glad. I, I think finally he will um probably like remain at this at this level that's how he looks right now you know probably in the i haven't checked that but probably in like the atp race or something he might even be in the top 200 right well he's not actually he's actually very close but that kind of tells you that he has a lot to gain as well because he's probably not Mm -hmm. defending anything in the in the in the latter half of the year but that's because he had an awful 2022 campaign yeah, and I mean, it's just like not having to go through qualifying. Anymore. Oh, he, he is. Sorry, so nice I I looked at the normal rankings. He is, of course, okay. deep in, deep into the top two hundred in uh, in the ATP race. But yeah, it's like twenty seven points right now that that uh, his normal rankings carry over the ATP race. So yeah, he he's got nothing to defend basically. Yeah, he he will have a lot of opportunities for the rest of the season. As for Delian, this was his fifteenth challenger final. Nine and six in those finals, his second one this season, but his first one outside of South America since June 2019 in Milan. On this run, he beat Daniel Masur 6 2 6 3. Josef Kovalik in another very tight loss for Kovalik 1 6 6 1 7 6. Beat Pedro Martinez 7 5 7 5. Your pick, Benoit Pair 6 7 6 4 6 3. Moves up 18 spots to number 147. What did you make of this run for Delian? Yeah, um, you know, he started the year so well. We were actually thinking whether he's going to make make it to like a career high even because he had nothing to defend in the second half of the year given he was injured. And then since March, he was barely winning matches. I think there was like a brief injury issue. And then, yeah, maybe somewhat, somewhat like Bonzi just never got going again. Uh, he actually hadn't won a main draw match since May. Also getting some pretty tough draws, I have to say, because when he played challengers, he faced Munar, he faced Kotov in the opening round. 
mm-hmm. but finally he managed it. Uh, yeah, the comeback against Pair, of course, was pretty key. Against Kovalik, like, he was always the one in front in the third set, but still made a bit of a mess of it. I think he searched for the match twice. It wasn't like the the Delian that we usually uh, would want to watch, like the the guy who just um, constructs points with his forehand and you know has the opponent moving around the court constantly. Uh, but was still a, a great run that hopefully gets him to yeah gets him back to a, a decent level. Again, really tough to say like how the final would have looked if not for the fact that Delian played for like uh, over an hour longer, I think, than Najdukovic in yeah. the semis. I mean, of course. As for the semi-finalists, let's start with Hilal Brancaccio, who beat Anneli Laksonen in a third set tie-break to start, then beat Henry Squire 6-3-2-6-6-4, Camilo Ugukarabey 6-4-3-6-6-4, so he had uh, all three very long matches before he eventually retired against Ajdukovic. Uh His third challenger semi-final this season, but his first one since January, since he made back-to-back semis. Then, what did you make of Brancaccio this week? Yeah, the, the, the free physical matches probably killed him here. Um, against Ugo Carabelli, he was already struggling a lot in the quarters in the third set. Um, he was just, I mean, physically, right? And then like he just relied on, you know, huge winners and like bailing out of rallies to get him out. Um, at the beginning of the year, we were even talking about the possibility of him breaking the top 100, right? And yeah, I mean, he, he had a rocket start to the season. Yeah, and, and, and that after. sounds pretty crazy right now, <laughs> because since <laughs> Febr- since like middle of February, he has not been winning matches at all. One quarterfinal in Perugia. Uh, I think that door has probably closed for him, at least for this year, but still um, a good run, even if somewhat... Um, I don't want to say random, but like, you know, the fact that all his matches were long battles, uh, but he's good in them, you know, he's recently beaten Ramos Vignolas in, in a, in a huge one as well over three hours. So, so it's not like he uh, isn't capable of winning this, these matches on a, on a regular basis. Yeah. Ben Aper was our other semi-finalist uh, beating Facundo Mena 6-4-6-3, Marvin Meller 6-4-6-4 and Gaution Klan also 6-4-6-4. His eighth match winning streak ended uh, in a loss to Ugo Delian, but he makes his fourth challenger semifinal this season. What did you make of this run for pair? Yeah, seven six four two in the semis against Delian, and that's that's really all you can say. Like he he's he was winning about eighty five percent of points on first serve up until then, which on clay is pretty crazy. Would he have beaten Idukovic in the final? Not sure, uh, but like if he closes this one out right there at seven six four two, I don't know, win, wins the next two games, uh, he actually would have been on court only for like fifteen minutes longer, Idukovic. So than Idukovic, so he probably would have gotten a closer final. Um, so yeah, from a, from from our prediction predictions competition perspective, I think he was certainly a fine pick. Just uh, did not capitalize on the lead that he had built in the semis. Yeah, over in the doubles, we had Luca Margaroli and Santiago Rodriguez Taverna winning the title in their first tournament together. Margaroli, who's a double specialist, this was his first challenger title since September 2019, so he was waiting Ooh. for quite a while. Uh, in the final, they beat Jakob Schneider and Kai Behnelt. Uh, Schneider, uh, Schneider making just his third challenger uh, appearance in doubles. He had previously re- received two uh, wild cards into Ismaning. But hadn't won a match, I don't think, uh, coming, or, or, or maybe won, maybe won one match. 
Uh, so it's still a pretty big surprise. Vehnel makes his first challenger final this season after seven ITF titles this year. Let's go over to Liberets. Francisco Comesania lifted the title there over Toby Alex Kodat, 6-2, 6-4 in the final. Comesania's fourth challenger title already, the second one this season. He beat Bitun Kuzman, 6-1, 6-3 to start, then took out Verbensky, 7-5-6-4, came back from a setdown against Dino Prizmic, 3-6, 7-5-6-2, and beat Hugo Blanchet, 6-3, 6-6. In the semis, moves up 53 spots to number 170 in the rankings. His new career high. What did you make of Comesanya's week here? Yeah, I mean, and speaking of guys on hot streaks, right? I mean, since uh, the end of May, uh, final title, semi-final, semi-final, quarter-final title. Uh, that that's a crazy run. Of course, around this time last year, he also had back-to-back challenger titles, but then he didn't win. <coughs> Sorry, then he wouldn't. Then he didn't win a match until the end of the year. Uh, I mean, clearly it's not happening right now. You know, against Prismich, that was like a huge, a very high quality match. Um, it felt like one, maybe even the final at, back then. But of course, this really changed with Liberets uh, rained off on Saturday, and then on Sunday they had to move the matches onto an indoor hard surface. And I thought this is surely game over for Komesanya. You know, he only has one indoor hard match in his life in a futures event in 2020. And uh, he retired in that one against Adam Freire da Silva from France. Uh, and um, yeah, and somehow he was just so good at, behind his first serve, at least looking at the stats, because sadly uh, Liberets didn't organize the streaming. So we cannot really talk about the semis and the finals here. However, uh, yeah, it just didn't seem like uh, he, like compared to especially Kodat and Blanchet, uh, it seemed like he would be the one who was actually hurt by the conditions, but it wasn't the case. He only dropped six points on serve in the entire final. And um, yeah, uh, this is this is just such a good run from from Comesania, and he um, like he he just has such a such a nice, solid, but also um, some really aggressive game. Um, perhaps like not the you know the, the highest of ceilings. I could I don't think he's like you know at a very level of ceiling. Uh, speaking of Argentinians, but uh, yeah, he 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 he's really playing at like a top one hundred level recently. Um, we'll see if that continues because yeah, again, we remember last year, but I would assume that this sort of a drop off is not going to happen to him again now that he's had so much more experience. Yeah. As for Kodat, who I read, he's actually Nikola Vadichova's half brother. Yeah. Uh, which is <laughs> crazy. I, I had no idea about that. He made his first challenger final here, just his third professional, uh, final at all. He only had one professional title. Before this week, he started in qualifying, beating Oleg Prichotko 6-4-6-4, Matias Cherny 6-2. Came back from a set against Timo Stoder in the first round to win 6-3 in the third and took out Norbert Gombosch in straight sets, uh, beat Federico Agustin Gomez 6-1-6-love, and then Gerard Campagna Lee 6-1-7-5 before losing the final. He moves up 123 spots in the rankings to number 358. His new career high ranking, breaking the top 400 for the first time in his career. What did you make of Kodat this week? Yeah, so as you said, I mean, Kodat is half Czech. It doesn't mean that it was a, a home event for him or something, but still a nice twist, I guess. Um, yeah, only said he lost on the way to the final against Toder. For an American, he actually likes the clay quite a lot, especially with that one-hander, which, um, you know, 
requires a bit of time. But then again, when you saw Indoor Hardcourts, like you probably thought of Kodat as the main title favorite from the semifinalists. You know, we've seen him reach a quarterfinal in Rome, uh, Georgia earlier in the year. Uh, but yeah, so so from that that standpoint, I think it was pretty disappointing for him to lose to Comesania on in a, on an indoor hard court. Uh, yeah, but just from the stats, it looked like the the Argentinian was probably a bit unplayable. Um, so so yeah, I think Kodat's uh, maybe a little bit of regret just just given the fact that yeah, the, the change of conditions, the rapid change of conditions in Liberec, uh, was not exactly expected to suit his opponent, but himself. Yeah, uh, in the semifinals, we had Herd Campania Lee beating uh, Seda Rusic 6-4 in the third, got a retirement after the first set from Tomasz Machac and beat Enan Kasanova 6-4 in the third as well to reach his first challenger semifinal at 18 years old. What did you make of Campania Lee? Um, I mean, clearly has like the top 100 potential, I think. With every single week, he's been improving. I think I said on Twitter that he might become like the poster boy for the junior program you know, the accelerator spots, because literally, I think with every performance, he has been improving. Uh, he played um, around March, April, he played Martinez and Tutra da Silva, looked a bit underpowered. Then he plays a great match against Vukic in Oeirash. Then he goes to Skopje and makes the quarters for the first time. Then he goes to Liberec and makes the semis for the first time. You know, in the meantime, great ITF results as well. And um, yeah, I, I think he's just clearly used up this, these spots very well, probably the best out of anyone. Like I'm not counting Menshik or Prismich really, because I think they were already good enough. Uh, he he has actually used all these opportunities, I think, to learn. Um, someone on Twitter, I think, compared his forehand to Roots. And I think, yeah, they really use it very similarly. Like not maybe going for outright winners and, you know, finding lines, but uh, just, just using a lot of spin and maneuvering the opponent around the court more. Uh, but it's a fantastic shot, really. And um uh so impressed with with Campanelli, especially considering to the to like looking back at the first challenger appearances that they had uh, th that he had and recently um at the end of 2022 when he finished his junior career he played these two finals against Pacheco Mendes uh, one of them he won uh, one Eddie Herr and Orange Bowl of course the the junior events at the end of the year and like just looking at how they've developed since then Campanelli is just so much more ahead and and it's uh, it's really impressive for sure. Yeah, uh, Hugo Blanchet was our other semifinalist, beating Hinek Barton six one six three, coming back from a set down against Vít Kopšiva three six six four six two, and beating Dalibor Svrčina six love six three before suffering uh, the same result but in reverse three six love six against Komesanya indoors. Uh, made his first challenger semifinal here after making his first challenger quarterfinal in Blois. Uh, in June, of course, nowhere near as young as Campagnoli. He's like 24, I think, uh, Blanchet is, but still progress from, from Hugo Blanchet. What did you make of this week for him? Yeah, he just completely blew Svrtina off the court, which um, will happen to the Czech from time to time, given his serve. But still, uh, for, I think for a long while, uh, when it was going for the double bagel, uh, China had about 15% points won on first serve. And it wasn't that Blanchet was like killing these returns. Like, I think he only had one return winner, but he was just uh, getting the first strike every single time and just giving, you know, him a very deep, heavy ball. 
of the first shot and yes Gina just wasn't handling it at all so that was uh, that was quite a great showing and also a player who I thought was going to match up better against Comesania on an indoor hardcourt but clearly the Argentinian is a natural <laughs> I don't know I mean he, he had just one indoor hard match and about 30 uh, matches with a negative win-loss record on hardcourts outdoor as well yeah, uh, I also wanted to mention Federico Agustin Gomez making the quarterfinals as a qualifier. He already had a tough time in qualifying against Yuji Barnat. I uh, had to go to a third set tiebreak there, but one beat Dennis Clock as well, 6 3 6 2. In the main draw, comes back from a set down against Yuji Vesely to win 6 4 in the third and takes out Sumit Nagal, 6 4 6 2, before being dismantled by Kodat. Uh, won just one game there, but makes his first career challenger quarterfinal. At 26 years old, uh, breaks into the top 500 at number 500 at 26. What did you make of this run for Gomez? Yeah, he. Uh, we already saw him on the green clay, right, this season. And he was like ball bashing, um, a bit of a Basilashvili play style, if you may. And of course, he still has that. Uh, it's actually kind of, well, I don't know if it's fun. It's amusing for sure when he, um, yeah, watching him sometimes when, he's, when he just decides to unleash on every ball. Uh, but, you know, he, he's done very well. Yeah, absolutely. Vaseli Nagal. Iji Barnard clearly a threat because he beat Paweł Ciasz in the Polish league, uh, on, on the weekend. So, uh, but yeah. <laughs> the talent this, is obvious. Yeah. The talent is obvious. But of course, the, the, the quarterfinal was, uh, very disappointing for Gomez. Yeah. Over in the doubles, we had the top two seeds meeting. Petanoza and Andrew Paulson won their third challenger title this season while Obed Leitner and St. Kaolin uh, made their third final of the year. Let's finish out in Lexington, where we had the top two seeds meet as well, but Steve Johnson was the champion as the second seed, beating your pick, Artur Cazo, 7-6-6-4, Johnson's ninth challenger title, second one this season after Bloomfield Hills. Uh, he came in beating Billy Harris, 7-6-6-4, Elliot Spitziri, 6-3-7-5, Ulysses Blanche, 6-3-6-4, and Tennis Sangren, 7-6-6-3, not dropping a single set en route to the title. Moves up 17 spots to, to number 176. What did, you make, what did you make of Johnson's run here? I think this should get him a US Open wildcard, you know? Um, I don't think it was certain at all deserves, when, yeah. when he was 5-13 after Wimbledon. But yeah, Bloomfield Hills, um, and, and this one, of course, in Lexington as well. Um, the, the serve and forehand are like real fire again. Uh, right now, only two are announced, Bonzi and Ethan Queen, uh, of course, for the NCAA, um, title. Like the, there are some guarantees, like Isner, I think, or Michelson. Uh, but otherwise, there's a few more contenders, of course, as usual in the States. And I think Johnson, is definitely among the main ones at the moment to to get um yeah to get this sort of merit from the USTA. Uh, so impressed with how he played both here and in Bloomfield Hills because yeah at five and thirteen for the year kind of aging although maybe not not that old yet. Um, it just wasn't certain that he was ever going to get back to something like this. Uh, maybe someone will say that you know he's barely in the top two hundred. Like what are you talking about? But yeah, he played some vintage stuff absolutely and. Uh, only only needed three tie breaks, didn't drop a set. He had a much tougher route to the uh, to the final as well, I think, than Cazo, mostly because of Tennis Sandgren in the semis, uh, but also because of the other opponents. So and then like in the final, he was also excellent. Um, probably should have won the first set before the tie break, but Cazo just kept serving him, uh, saving himself with with his great serving. 
So let's move on to our finalist here, Artur Gazo, in his sixth challenger final. Fourth one this season. He beat uh, Justin Boulay to start 6 4 in the third, then took out Omar Jessica 6 2 6 3, Aiden Mayo 6 1 6 4, and Cannon Kingsley 6 2 7 6. Couldn't get it done in the final, but still moved up 10 spots to, to number 128, his new career high ranking. What did you make of this week for Kazal? Uh, yeah, um, definitely an easier route than Johnson, which you can even see by how much of a favorite he was in every single match. Um, uh, he was also a big favorite for the bookies in the final, which I didn't really quite get. Like for me, it was just a toss-up situation. And um, yeah, could have won the final, but I don't think he was really the better player. He was just you know serving just as well as Johnson probably. And um, this is key because like the hardcore season so far had not been all that good for him of course there's nothing wrong with losing to shank but he was definitely disappointed with such a tame effort against school kate and granby um should be one of the contenders in carry next week as well as well i think um given that this wasn't like the most overly physical um set of performances that he had to give so um still very much in contention to finish in the top 100 this year if he can get some more big results especially in the indoor season coming up uh yeah we can move on to our semi-finalists starting with canon kingsley who beat the yuki mochizuki 6-3 in the third dane sweeney 6-4-7-5 and tunglin wu 6-3-6-2 to reach his second career challengers final after columbus last season what did you make of this run for canon kingsley yeah, Cannon, Cannon Kingsley, of course, has been um, quite an interesting college player for a while now, right? Whenever he shows up in challengers, he usually does something, especially when on like on like a faster court. And um, I think this was the yeah, this was pretty much his first um, run of the year at the challenger level. But he's had an ITF final beating Donskoy, for example, so a great win too. Sometimes he can just start sending out forehand cannons. <laughs> And um, yeah, just just uh, almost lost, uh, almost got uh, to the decider against Kazo as well, which is a, is a pretty good feat too. Yeah, Dennis Sandgren was our other semi-finalist, uh, beating Lapadat 6-2, then Strong Kirkheimer 6-2-6-4, and Xiang Chan Hong 6-4-6-2 for his third challenger semi-final this season. What did you make of Sandgren? Yeah, Sandgren is probably not as good as Johnson right now, but he certainly has done well to re-establish himself this year. Um, I think he 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 is in Ron Garros qualifying, right? Yeah, he is in Ron Garros qualifying, one of the last direct acceptances, although I imagine you, with the wildcards. US Open qualifying, right? Uh oh, I what did what did I say? Ron Garros? Why why did I say that? I don't know. But yeah, anyway, US Open qualifying, of course, he's one of the last direct acceptances. Um, so he should be he should be absolutely fine there. And um yeah, maybe one of the contenders to qualify as well. Like you could you could imagine him doing that in a in a good draw. Um I don't think he will get a main draw wildcard, but um but he should but he will be in the qualifying. And yeah, that's also a testament to how well he's done this year because I think by the end of the 2022 season he was like almost outside the top three hundred or something like that. Yeah, I also I also wanted to mention Aiden Mayo making the quarterfinals here, beating Cooper Williams and Colin Marks in qualifying, then taking out Nathan Ponwith six four six one and Tristan Schoolkate three six six four six three for his second career challenger quarterfinal after Granby last year. Any thoughts on Mayo here? Yeah, it was a good run, but I just I, I guess I just expected him to just 
get more games against Kazoo, you know, not necessarily win, but um yeah, I don't think it was really that good an effort in the in the quarters. Um that was also one of these matches where I thought that Kazoo was a little un- overrated. Uh yeah, and over in the doubles we had a very interesting final. We had Elias Spitzeri and Tyler Zink winning the title. Spitzeri making his challenger doubles debut and Zink uh getting his first win here in the first round. These guys had history together winning an ITF title together back in 2019 and actually playing the US Open together in 2021 with a wild card losing to Airbear and Mahu. Uh, they beat Goldhoff and Kirkov in the final. Goldhoff having actually won five ITF titles with Zink, uh, his opponent in the final there. And for Kirkov, three straight finals. He had back-to-back titles uh, coming into this. So a 10-match winning streak and also with three different partners. So quite impressive for Kirkov, who's building quite the doubles specialist career for himself. We can go over to match of the week, upset of the week. Where would you like to start? Um, upset of the week, I see that there are like high scorings, uh, high scoring results in Diaz over Bonzi, Elias over Alice, so the, the, the ones that we mentioned already. Also Gomez over Nagal, I see. Um, Dalavale over Miller was that a big one? I guess given Dalavale's form, not necessarily. Not sure what to go for here. Um, maybe just the boring answer in Elias over Alice. Um, definitely one of the biggest ones that we had that we've had this week. Or actually, you know what? I'm gonna choose something completely different, and I'm gonna choose Denis Yevseyev over Emilio Nava. Was not expecting Yevseyev to just travel from Astana to Porto, which is actually a pretty long journey. Well, while it might not seem like so, you know, if you look at the map, and um, then he goes there and still has a very good run uh, coming off the title. And and uh, I'm gonna choose Yevseyev over Nava. A little out there, a little different, but um, I feel like the the, the main results like Elias Alice um they weren't that surprising I think like I, I still expected Alice to go really deep it's just that he's had these weaker matches in challengers recently yeah I I, I will be going with Gasto Elias over Quinton Alice I had Alice as my pick for the title you sort of mentioned that maybe we'll we'll see a little bit of what he showed against Yamas Ruiz in in Lyon, uh, I thought that if he's there, he's going to be ready to play. Maybe he wanted to bank some more points, but as we said, he he was in a sort of a weird place mentally, of course, not being fully present after becoming a father. Uh, match of the week, what have you gone for? Um, I think Liberets definitely was the most interesting one in that regard, even though we didn't get to see the semis and the final, but it looked like uh, they were pretty easy matches all around. Uh, however, before that, we had so many classics there, um, both matches of uh, the Poles against Tina, I think, and then especially the quarters, Komesania Prismic, Kampanjali Kasanova. My pick is actually for Kampanjali Kasanova, um, probably a little weaker than uh, Komesania Prismic, maybe in terms of the quality, but I think the drama was fully there and was like super fun, clay court grinding tennis. Uh, I believe I actually have not checked that since last night, but I think in the poll it's Komesanya on, on in the poll that I put out on Twitter. I think it's Komesanya Prismic in the lead. Uh, I actually uh, decided to put two Liberets quarterfinals into the poll. Yeah, it is Komesanya Prismic in the lead, then it's Delian Pair, and then Campania Likasanova. So you guys are voting for the other Liberets quarter. I'm actually going to stick with Campania Likasanova. 
Yeah, I, I didn't see either of those Liberis quarters, actually. So I was sort of considering my Matered Aydukovic, but I think mm-hmm. I'll actually go with with Nabdi over Souza in that final. I'm 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 a sucker for for a great crowd moment and, and that had a, a lot of that. So that Nabdi was also Souza. a poll option in my uh, in the in the tweet. So <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. All tied in the winner's picks at 18. I have finally uh, erased your your massive massive lead that you held over me for for a long while uh so we're we're coming into this all square five events let's start in santo domingo the challenger 125 that we have this week on clay uh, we have federico coria as the top seed playing a qualifier and then Pikovic or sakamoto ugo dalian is facing bernat tomic in the first round that will be a funny match uh probably a quick match as well winner facing reis da silva or a qualifier Flavio Koboli plays Murkel Delien and then Roberto Sitsubervi or a qualifier. Genaro Alberto Olivieri plays Mateus Pucinelli Almeida and then Kaichi Uchida or a qualifier. Felipe Meligeni Alves plays Eduardo Ribeiro and then Peter Bertrano or Nick Hart. Uh, Tiago Agustin Tirante is the third seed here playing Gustavo Heide and then Goncalo Oliveira or Francisco Comesaña. That could be a big second round match there. Tirante Comesaña. Final section here. We have Marco Trujetti playing Pedro Boscatintias and then Gonzalo Bueno or a qualifier. Alejandro Tabilo is the second seed playing a qualifier and then one of two veterans, Fernando Vedasco or Gonzalo Lama. In the qualifying, we have JP Smith actually won a round over Kiran Pulpano and he will play Kyle Selig for a place in the main draw. We have James Trotter here, uh, Mateus Alves. Conor Huertas del Pino, Ignacio Monson. In the doubles, we have Nicolas Barrientos and Andre Goranson as the top seeds. We have Hachver Dugo and Reyes Varela teaming up. Um, also have JP Smith playing with Luis David Martinez. They will face Oliveira in the first round playing with Peter Betran. The Delian brothers are playing together. That will be pretty interesting. We also have Hidalgo and Rodriguez. Uh, they could be contenders here as well. But going back to the singles, who do you like for the title here? Yeah, no major, uh, no, no doubles wildcard for um, Estrella Burgos like it was last year or maybe in 2021 already. I cannot remember. I think it was last year though. Yeah, it was last year. Um, and uh, that was actually the something that I checked instantly when I saw the draw. Uh, by the way, very important to mention that this is green clay. So... Uh, should be a little easier for some of these non-clay court guys, or maybe tougher for some of these clay court guys. <laughs> at the same time, uh, we'll see how they how they handle it. I think, for example, Korea, who's the top seed, has actually won a green clay title in the past, or at least made the final. I think he's won one in the states. So, uh, so it's not like they cannot adapt. Uh, yeah, Bernie, Tomic, Ugadelian, that's hilarious. Uh, let's see how Delian and Comesania do, you know, coming off long weeks in Europe and having to play probably on Tuesday in, in Santo Domingo already. And um, when it comes to the winner picks, um, I wonder how Koboli will do. Like, this is a bit of an interesting entry for sure in the Challenger in Dominica, in um, the Dominican Republic, sorry. And... Um, Playing against Murkel Darian, I guess he should be fine in the first round. But yeah, I don't. I just don't know. I have. I doubt we've had a chance to see. Uh, we've had a chance to see him on green clay, ever. 
Um, so basically, my thoughts are going to Tabilo. You know, he is playing a qualifier, as you said. Um, like that, there's basically no one in the qualifying who could win this event, I think, or upset Tabilo really. Like it would already be a bit of a stretch. Uh, he's had some amazing results on the Challenger Tour this year. Verdascor Lama in the second round, I think at this stage of their careers, this is actually a good draw as well. Trujeriti, sometimes dangerous, but basically not that um, often. So yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that my pick is going to be Alejandro Tapilo. Okay, that's... that's I, I can definitely see that the, the section is pretty weak. Uh, compared to the other ones, I'm going to go with Melijani Alves here. Uh, I don't want to pick out of Tirante Comesana. Green clay tends to be a bit faster, so so for the forehand that that, that should work well. Uh, so yeah, Melijani Alves for me. Next up, we have Banya Luka, a challenger 100. Fabian Marojan is the top seed, playing Viktor Durasovic, and then Clement Tabur or Kalin Ivanovsky. Mariano Navone plays Kylian Jacquet, and then Andrei Medic or Javier Barranca Cusano. Alex Molchan is here with a wild card playing a qualifier, and then Dino Prizmic or another qualifier. Uh, we have Damir Jumhuri here as the eighth seed playing Mark Polmans, and then Dui Aydukovic or Nicolas Sanchez Izquierdo. Uh, Kimer Kopeyas plays a qualifier, and then Nerman Fatic or Nino Sardarusic. Benoit Pair playing a qualifier, and then Gombosh or Philip Christian Giano. Final section, we have Zdenek Kolaj playing a qualifier and then uh, two special exempts from Liberets, Toby Kodat and uh, Ugo Blanchet are meeting the uh, first round here. Marco Cecchinato is the second seed playing Dragos, Nikolai Madaraj, and then Jeffrey Blancanor or a qualifier. In the qualifying, we have some names like Zekic, we have Marco Topo in here. Akira Santilan also in there. Uh, we have Denis Molchanov playing. Uh, I don't think that he's played singles in, in quite a while. Mirza Basic also in here. Aldin Setkic, couple of Bosnian guys. Uh, could be interesting, but probably nobody that's winning the title. In the doubles, we have Viktor Vladkornea and Filip Oswald as the top seeds. They face Kolaj and Sedarusic in the first round. We have the Sabanov brothers here playing uh, Arias and Ceballos. We have, as you mentioned, Nena Zimonic playing with Aldin Setkic. Uh, they have a wild card here. They played Basic and Fatic in the first round. Petr Nozab uh, is the third seed with Konstantin Franzen. We have a big first round here as well. Golubeve Molchan of the second seeds playing Lutarevic and Manafov, the number two challenger team this season. But going back to the singles, who do you like for the title in Banja Luka? Yeah, it's kind of tough. Um, Maroshan, of course, won Banja Luka last year. It was held at a bit of a different date. Um, you know, it had a lot of, um, it basically had a lot of um, uh, players like ranked maybe 250 or so back then. But uh, Maroshan did extremely well. And of course, we all know where he is right now. Playing Durasovic in the opening round, always a pretty tough matchup for top seeds, I would say. But still, like looking at the the quarter that he's in, I, I kind of like it. Molchan Prismic potentially is facing in the second round. That's something I'm, I'm not really that happy about when it comes to the potential of picking either of them. Idukovic is also in a pretty tough section. And, you know, going back to back, um, I don't really want to go for that. Benoit Per, again, an option for sure. Uh, Norbert Gombosch is his second round opponent, which is potentially, which is which is kind of tough though. 
and Chakinato has not been too convincing. So I think I'm just going to go with the boring option of Maroshan. Um, you know, he, he, you could also like start wondering about his scheduling, but then again, I guess his uh, top 100 ranking is like not really stable enough. And this is the last European event that he plays. Then he'll go to Winston-Salem probably before the US Open. So I think it makes sense. I think his head should be in it. And um, yeah, I'm just going to go with Maroshan, who clearly likes these courts. And last year he like demolished um, Damir Jumhur in the final. Yeah, I mean, the, the scheduling has been interesting in that uh, he has taken sort of an early loss in, in Umag, then went to play the Bundesliga, taken an early loss in Ludenscheid, went to play the Bundesliga again. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that he's sort of now going straight to whatever his next tournament is. He's taking these sort of intermediate uh, Bundesliga breaks. Oh, and by the way, <sighs> um, Maroshan yeah. played Durasovic already in Banja last year in the second round. <laughs> Oh, um, yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with Alex Molchan here. Uh, it is a tough draw, please meet in the, in the second round. Uh, but I quite liked his level from, from Gisbio last week. He's sort of dropping down after dropping out of the top 100, some, somewhat bolder than, than Marojan probably, but I, I, I can see it happening for, for Molchan here. Sometimes we gotta go with our biased countrymen peaks, and <laughs> I think that's one of them. Well, like Prismic in the second round. I think, uh, I think, I think Gombos would be a much more biased pick for me uh, here. Yeah, uh, from, probably yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can go to Kerry now. Alexander Shevchenko is the top seed playing Xiang Chen Hong, and then Patrick Gibson or qualifier Lando Riedi also in a section playing Adolfo Daniel Vallejo, and then. To or a qualifier. Nicolas Moreno de Alboran will play a qualifier. And then Steve Johnson or Zachary Svaida. We have Heis Brauer playing Ethan Quinn also in that section. And then Ryan Penniston playing a qualifier. Artur Cazo has a tougher draw here playing Abdullah Shelbaik in the first round. And then Shintaro Mochizuki or Lloyd Harris. Liam Brody also in the section, the third seed playing Elliot Spitziri. And then Tennis Sangren or a qualifier. Final section, Emilio Gomez plays a qualifier, and then Baby Djukaev or Adam Walton. And Inki Hijikata gets a wild card here, the second seed playing Shoshima Bukuro, and then Bjorn Angelo or Alexander Richard. In the qualifying, we had Ryan Harrison beating Nicolas Mejia. I just see that's pretty interesting. Plays Blake Alice to potentially get in. Um, Billy Harris also in here. Tyler Zink just coming off of a doubles title. Stefan Dostanich plays Yuki Mochizuki. Um, that's pretty much it as potential interesting guys in there. In the doubles, we had, uh, we have Evan King and Reese Stalder as the top seeds. Billy Harris and Ryan Penniston play together. Henry Patton playing with Luke Johnson. They played Brower and Monona de Alboran in the first round. Riedi teaming up with Richard. Uh, Scott Duncan with Alex Lawson this week. Petro Sisipa is also in here playing with Mikhail Pervalarakis and Niklas Saminen and Pat Stevens are the second seeds. But going back to the singles, who do you like for the title in carry? Yeah, also probably no one in the qualifying who can really do it. Although um, I definitely enjoyed yesterday's Sekulic to Stanich clash in the opening round. Very unlucky for both guys, I think, to run into, into each other so early. And yeah, just looking at the draw, it, it's pretty hard to come up with a, with a winner pick here as well. Um, I guess Brody did fine in Washington, 
potentially could be an option, but that section is so tough. You know, Brody Sandgren in the second round, Kazo Haris potentially in the second round. All of these matches are just so random, it seems. Uh, then again, in the fourth quarter, the seeds are pretty weak, I think, in both Gomez and Hijikata. Um, easily could lose to, like in Hijikata's case, Shimabukuro or Fratangelo. Gomez, you know, he has been a, a mess recently for sure. Even Salinas didn't wake him up. Steve Johnson, like, I, I, I'm really tempted by Steve Johnson here, but the last time he won a challenger, so Bloomfield Hills, then he lost to Basavaredi in the next, um, whatever the next event was. Um, so I'm not sure I can really back him to go back to back. Leandro Ridi, is that an option? Um, like he, he has, he's, he has barely been healthy, but the last time we saw him at the Hopman Cup, he was actually doing quite well. Lost to Chorich, beat Gasquet and Rune. Um, and Shevchenko, I just don't think I can pick for a hardcore challenger. I know he's already won one this year and also made the final in Phoenix. I just feel like winning five consecutive matches in hardcores, it can still be kind of hard for him, even at this level. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to go with Leandro Ridi. Uh, it's, it's a little out there. Uh, but um, why not? I, I think there's like a plethora of different options here. And uh, and I'm just going to go with 3D because why not? If he's healthy, it's certainly possible. Yeah, I mean, Reedy is a good player. I will, however, pick against you within the quarter. I am going with Alexander Shevchenko coming off of a nice uh, performance in Washington, beating Cressy, beating Korda, especially. That was a really good win. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really see a reason why not, uh, why, like, why, why can't he win this event? So yeah, Shevchenko for me. We can go on to Cordenons now. Uh, Denis Novak is the top seed by Matteo Martino and then Maxim Chazal or Chung Sin Tseng. Boruchaga is the eighth seed, uh, playing a qualifier and then Neumayer or Ferrari. Ricardo Bonadio is the third seed here, playing Valentin Vachero, and then Francesco Forti or Francesco Maestrelli. Nicolas David Yonel playing Giovanni Fonio, and then Sages Hover or Qualifier. Andrea Cuiarini plays a Qualifier, and then Edna Casanova or another Qualifier. Matteo Gigante plays Vladislav Orlov, and then Blaž Rola uh, or Carlos Tabrner. Eduardo Lavagno plays Federico Arnaboldi, and then one of two Qualifiers. Francesco Passaro plays Michael Verbensky and then Enrico Della Valle or Alvaro Lopez San Martin. In the qualifying, we have Kenny Deschepper, we have uh, Marcello Serafini, um, also have both of the Tabaco brothers uh, still in there. Uh, Andrea Arnabodi plays uh, Samuel Vincent Ruggeri, Agustin Gomez, uh, very good. Agustin Gomez also in there. Alex Barena also in there. Uh, in the doubles, we have Aribaj and Sanchez as the top seeds. Dalavala and Seng play together. Uh, we have Andrea Arnaboldi and Ricardo Bonadio. Uh, Bortolotti and Oclepo. Uh, Agustin, <laughs> Federico Agustin Gomez and Marcus Willis uh, stayed teamed up for another week. They played Polipali and Kadhe. Second seeds that will be an interesting match, but going back to the singles, who do you like for the title in Cordenons? Yeah, it's it's not easy again. Like everyone that I see as a potential um yeah, pig here usually has like a a bit of a question mark next to them, usually when it comes to the opponents. 
like Passaro playing Talavale, who's in great form in the in the second round. That doesn't exactly make me that happy about uh, picking him. I might still do it though. Uh, Denis Novak, um, maybe not quite, uh, uh, you know, at the top of his game since he got back from that ankle injury, but he is getting a bit better. So, so I think he might be an option here. Uh, you dropped I, this at the Philip Kohlschreiber in Bundesliga last really? month, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Oh, really? I I I missed that completely. Uh, Kohlschreiber played three Bundesliga matches. It seems at least the ones that they have here beat Jumhur and lost to Reberg and Novak. That oh, that's that, that's wild. Three <laughs> uh, games won against Reberg, but yet he beats Damir Jumhur. Um, Ricardo Bonadio would be a very familiar pick for me. <laughs> it hasn't worked out yet, and I think <laughs> Vacheroy is just playing a bit too well right now uh, with the back-to-back 25Ks on clay. Um, Blas Rola, you know, he did so on Salzburg, Cordenons. Um, yeah, I just don't think I can pick him realistically. So I think I'm just going between the top two seats here, Novak and Passaro. And, um, yeah, no clue who I should go for. Uh, looking at the quarter, at the quarters that they have, maybe Denis Novak is the way. Um, yeah, losing a set to Schreiber isn't great, but after that, he was in Kitzbühel, did fine. And also, yeah, it just seems like he has been playing better than, than than the results would suggest, especially losing to Klein in Salzburg in like a tight battle, uh, losing to Sabofield in the in the first round in Kids BL, which of course is not a bad loss either. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna vote on Denis Novak to recover his season, recover his form here. Yeah, I'm I'm going to match you with this pick. I feel like this uh draw is is quite easy for him, quite quite nice, sort of sort of a level. Uh, below of of the players that he's been losing to, like, like say Boschwild and and Klein for yeah. the most part, so I I I quite like him to to take this all the way here in in Cordenons. And now we go to Merbush, where we have Yuri Rodinov as the top seed playing Henry Squire and then Manuel Ginat or qualifier Oleksi Kruti who will play Daniel Rincon and then Max Hokes or Kilian Felbausch. Uh, Sumit Nagal will play Rodriguez Taverna and then Benjamin Hassan or Hen or Henry Laksonen. Camilo Ugokarabey will play a qualifier and then Molaker or another qualifier. Gaution Klan will play uh, Gerard Campagna Lee and then Max Hans Rechberg or Daniel Michalski. Tito Androge will play a qualifier and then Yevsev or another qualifier. And in the final section, we have Dimitar Kuzmanov playing Oriol Rokavataya. Uh, and then Hertz or Marvin Meller. Jan Choinski will play Nikola Kuhn, who's in here with the wild card. And then Louis Vessels or a qualifier. In the qualifying, we have um, Ergi Kirkin. We have Martin Krumich, Orlando Luz, potentially. Jonas Foretek actually in there as well, who could be probably the most interesting guy if he makes it through. Yeah, the doubles. I, that's a big if right now with yeah. how he's been performing recently. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's he's unseated in this qualifying. He must have dropped off really bad. He, he is three and nine for the year and um, six hundred fifty eighth yeah. in the ATP rankings. Yeah, Jesus, horrible. Um, in the doubles, we have Jisung Nam and Jayvan Nudinchejian as the top seeds. Uh, we have Orlando Luz playing with Sam Ferbeek. Manuel Ginat and Gregor Jack have been a very successful team this season as well. Uh, Romboli and Sorman, Martos Gornes and Roca Bataya, Ag- uh, Agabigun and Kirkin have also done well. 
they're going back to the singles who do you like for the title in Mergush? Um, this is a bit of an off topic, but like Sakelaridis and Hazem Naf were, um, were close to playing each other. And when they did recently, like a week ago or something in a, in a challenger qualifying, a friend of mine posted on Twitter that this match like really gets him going and that it's a must watch. Um, I, I, I hope that I will remember this when I see him because I was so stunned by this, uh, <laughs> uh by, by this tweet, you know, um, just never would have occurred to me but anyway um and that's of course no disrespect to the guys like it just it just seems like a normal challenger qualifying match to me honestly or maybe even uh usually it would happen at a at a lower level uh but anyhow um let's look at the draw Rodionov facing squire in the opening round that's tough um i i don't really want to pick Rodionov because of that also the whole quarter is kind of stacked with uh some issues i think Maybe Nagal has a nice draw, although Moleker potentially in the quarters. But Moleker was injured in Ludenscheid, like he had something with his back. He still fought through it against Maroshan. Um, kind of like was just yeah rewarded for his resilience, I would say, rather than rather than anything else. But it was a good fight. Onklen Campagnali, of course, a very good uh, opening round. Uh, yeah, despite being the fourth seed, T2 Androgad doesn't really strike me as a, as a potential winner. Maybe Kuzmanov not really informed. So the seeds aren't that strong for the most part, but are there really any players that I could pick, uh, be, you know, besides the seeds? Um, Daniel Rincon playing Oleksii Krutyk in the first round. So again, it's kind of tough. Um, I feel like we might get a bit of a wild winner from this one. I just, I'm just not sure who it will be. Or you know what? This is the fifth event. Um, let's go, Nikola Kun. <laughs> oh my he's, god! He's just I, I was thinking of going for Nikola Kun. Really? Okay. <laughs> I was I was just sort of looking at because you know he's in here with a wild card. He uh, is playing his first challenger of the season. Um, only made only played two events yeah. uh, this year in ITFs. He he won one. He made the quarters in in another one. I was looking at it, and I mean, like last year, he was having a really good summer. Uh, qualified for Wimbledon, pushed Alcaraz to a third set tiebreak. So I'm like looking at him, I'm like, this is possible. I'm not going to match you, Nicola Kuhn. I no? think that would be a bit silly. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, I just I just, just wanted to say that yeah, I, I watched him against Lamazine in that uh, Wetzlar quarterfinal, and I thought he did pretty well. I think at this stage, though, winning five matches in a row at this level, maybe physically, it's going to be a bit much because it clearly was in Wetzlar. Then again, he had to play twice in a day there, so um, maybe that was a factor. But yeah, if he beats Hoinski, the draw is actually kind of open here. So um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to do Nikola Kuhn, yeah. Let's let let's do it. That's yeah. That's that's fair enough. I think I'll sort of go for the antithesis and uh, uh, antithesis, and I will go with uh, Yuri Rodionov, <laughs> the the top seat uh, to to take it all. I mean, the the draw isn't super easy. Squire was playing pretty well last week. Uh, Rincon, of course, has the streak of semifinals, and they would meet in the quarters potentially here. But I think just level wise, like he he, he was good in in Zug, only lost to Rinderknecht. Uh, before that in English Stad, he was pretty good as well. So yeah, Rodionov, I think is is reasonable. Yeah, and that's gonna be it for today. I feel like I've already forgotten all the names of the events, so it's gonna be a nightmare. But uh, there's definitely that green clay one in Santo Domingo. We've just done Merbush. Cordenons is another one of them, and uh, Banja Luka. 
where Maroshan is the top seed. And there's there's also Kerry in the United States. I think it's probably one of the two events in Kerry that we're going to have because it's called like Atlantic Tire Championships 1. So I would assume that there's going to be a two. I think there was a year a when Kerry had two events. So so probably yes. And um, yeah, that, 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 as I said, that's it for today. We're going to be with you guys in, in seven days time. And uh, yeah, discuss all the things, that, the things that will happen and our terrible picks, including Nicola Kuhn winning the title in Merbusch. Bye.